to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 35, I'm talking to Danae Tossie. She is the owner of Cornerstone Coffee in McBain, Michigan. McBain is a tiny town in central northern Michigan with less than 1,000 residents. I've actually never been there, but I received an email from Danae saying that she was a listener and she knew a couple of my previous guests and she was interested in connecting and maybe being a guest on my podcast. So I asked her to tell me a little bit more about her story and you guys, I immediately fell in love. If you can tell someone is amazing through an email, that is what I felt. Danae is the warmest, kindest, glowiest person She's just amazing. And I was intrigued by the fact that she sees her coffee shop as a space for people to genuinely connect and feel loved. I was also really excited when she mentioned that she is a living kidney donor. And I know you'll love hearing her talk. She's like a warm hug, you guys. It's amazing. She talks about coffee and loving people well and her experience of living donation and I am here for all of it. You know when you meet someone that you know that what you see is what you get? Just genuine and open and legit. That's Danae. So get a cup of coffee, however you like it, and listen, you will love her. And you know what makes coffee and podcasting even better? Sharing it, of course. Have you told someone about taking the middle seat lately? I sure hope so. I hope you're spreading the word about all the rad guests that I have on the show and the podcast, and you're getting to know people by taking that middle seat, gosh darn it. So keep on sharing. All right, let's get to the good stuff. My conversation with Danae Tossie. Danae, I'm so glad that we get to talk today. How is your day and how, or do you have sunshine out by you? Oh my gosh, we have sunshine and it is like the most glorious thing ever. Northern Michigan winters, especially this winter, have been so long and yeah. so dreary and I mean, it, it's been a good snowy winter. Like I think a lot of people have loved it and it's been good, but it's just been long, so we're yes. starting to see the sun and the snow is going away. Like I'm actually in my office, which is the sunniest part of our house. And mm-hmm. I just like sit in here and like, oh, I'll just bask it in. It's great. Yes, so I'm so like happy to be doing this. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. It's the most important question of our day is, are you able to take in the sunshine? I think if you live in Michigan. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if it's like that other places where it's like, you know, how's your day? Well, the sun's shining, so it's great. Like you can be having a terrible day. But the caveat is, but the sun shining, so I can't complain about anything. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was like telling my children, like, would we really appreciate 
the sun and 50 degrees as much as we do if we didn't live in Michigan. Right. It feels like yeah. it's like a special gift this time of year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially up a little farther than Grand Rapids too. I feel like it's a whole different ballgame up here of yes. the snow and the cold. And we have family that lives in Grand Rapids and they'll be like playing outside and we're hunkered down. Yep. <laughs> it's freezing out still. So yeah. yeah well, that brings us to where you are in the world. So you are in a little tiny town called McBain, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. We are in um, a tiny little farm town um, in Northern Michigan. We are about an hour and a half North of Grand Rapids. Um, So Grand Rapids, you know, where you are doesn't feel far for us. It's, you know, just a little, you know, day drive or, you know, day trip pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were born and raised here. My husband and I both were, um, and we're raising our six kids here. And, we decided we should open a cute little coffee shop in our cute little town. <laughs> that is what we did. I um, love it. We have, um, we have six kids, and it, it is a crazy kind of adventure that we're doing, but um, it, it was something that our town didn't have. Yeah. And so we just, um, it was never, I don't know, do you, want, do you want to hear kind of our story, how that yeah. all started? Absolutely, okay. so, because I think a lot of people um, grow up in little tiny towns and that don't have a coffee shop, but don't open a coffee shop. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's not like, oh, you grew up here. That's just what you do, right? It's open right. coffee shops. No, yeah. so um, kind of so like I said, yeah, my, my husband and I were both um, born and raised here and knew we wanted to raise our kids. We kind of went away to college, came back. Um, that was when we started dating, got married and just for 10 years, all we did was just have babies, which we got really good at, which is great. <laughs> um, I had a great job. My husband has his own, had his own business. Um, I'm a physical therapist assistant is what like my real job is. And um, I needed to meet a friend for some coffee or we were going to plan a Christmas party for some kids school. And we're kind of like, yeah, where do we meet? You know, all there is is restaurants or there's like a pizza pub where all the farmers go for coffee in the morning and lunchtime. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just, there wasn't really a place to go just to sit and just to be able to talk without getting, you know, having a waitress or something like that. So we ended up just going to a restaurant and, you know, just getting coffee and like, no, we're coffee, you know, kind of that awkward, like we don't need anything. Um, And we both left there saying like, we need a coffee shop. Like we should open a coffee shop kind of kidding. And I think we both went back and talked to our husbands, like said something without even knowing we were going to do that. And her husband was like, no, um, <laughs> we have a really successful um, furniture store in Cadillac. And so that wasn't in their wheelhouse. It was not something they were looking to do. And my husband is so gracious and he does not like to squash my dreams right, right away, at least. So he's usually like, oh, that's interesting. You know, he will uh-huh. kind of go along with it a little bit. Um, but his kind of out was, well, there isn't a building. Like there wasn't a building in town yeah. that was for sale or open. So it was kind of like, eh, where would we put this thing anyway? You know, there was really not a place. Well, the next week or two, I can't remember what it was, I had started talking to people about it, like my friends. Like, ah, oh, we should do this. This thing is going to be great, you know. And um, I do talk a lot about a lot of things. So I'm sure they were. <laughs> but they were. <laughs> but um, this building came up for sale, and it's just perfect. It was a... It was a bank at one time, like way back when there's a vault in the back, which is my office and this like crazy little concrete office That's out the cool. back. And it was a barber shop for a bunch of years. Like our countertop at the coffee shop is where the barber chair used to sit. And so people come in all the time. They're like, I used to get my hair cut here as a boy. I <laughs> love it. Like 
So it has a ton of history. And so this building was for sale. And I think all of this time with the coffee shop, we kept telling ourselves, like, we'll get told no. Like, it was going to be too far out of our price range. Well, then it wasn't. And yeah. then we'll go to the bank, and they're never going to give us the money. You know, it's just not going to work. And then they were so great about, like, just figuring – creative funding sources and okay we can do this if that loan doesn't work we need to do this loan and then we got a yes there and then we decided we needed to drive through just to get some more traffic because it is a, a town of under a thousand people so mm -hmm. I mean it is tiny um and then the the city was like yeah sure yeah put a drive through in and like all this stuff just kept coming up where we'd be at a crossroads and it always would they would just be like God was just laying out a path before us we're just yeah. As we go, we're like, oh, okay, this is the way we go. You know, <laughs> I guess this is what we do. And, you know, it started out just this place where friends could meet for coffee. And the more my husband and I talked about it, like, man, this could be like our mission. We don't feel called to be missionaries, but this could be the place where we get to touch people's lives. Like mm -hmm. this could be the place where we get to be the hands and feet of Christ. Like we get to just like love people and accept them and develop relationships. Mm -hmm. and like this is our place and it grew to be that you know where it got it was just going to be this you know this building and now it just houses so much it's just a vessel for what we get to provide people which is you know really good coffee but it's so much got to be so much more than that um so well, that's kind of tell me more yeah. about that because as you know that's kind of my jam and that's why you reached out to me is because I believe that we're all here to make better and deeper connections with each other. And really that's the only way forward, um, how yeah. we're going to kind of make it through this kind of complicated yeah. life that we're all living. Um, and it was just so fascinating to me when you wrote me, I was like, okay, coffee shop. Great. <laughs> but then when you were like, you know, I see this as a really, like you said, a vessel, a space to hold space for people to connect in deeper ways have you, and I don't think you guys have really been open that long, right? How long has it been? It's been three and a half years. So, okay. I mean, it's kind of changing. Roles have changed as far as like staff wise. You know, I was there a little bit more. I'm there a little bit less now. But yeah. everybody, which this is what I've loved about how just I feel like God has worked in this place is the staff we have there now. I mean, people, customers who come in they know them so well. Like I don't need to be, it doesn't need to always be me doing the work. Like I've empowered them to do this. You know, yeah. like this is what they're there for now. And I, I don't even know half the things that happen. You know, yeah. I don't even, I, I mean, they, they tell me, you know, when, when really cool things happen or like, you know, when there's just God moments, like we have people come in just, I mean, sometimes they don't even get coffee, which is fine. Like they just, want to tell us about their day or they're struggling with something or um, we end up being this kind of meeting place where you know like where people are buying and selling things like we dropped this off for so-and-so or we heard so-and-so needed this so we dropped this off for them or we left a little something extra for them like just getting to foster all these interactions with different people like yeah. yes we get to control how we treat people which is awesome and we develop relationships with them and they truly become friends and like we get to celebrate their joys Mm -hmm. and you know new babies and you know we have someone um in the community who is coming home from the hospital soon and like after this tragedy and he's actually been in Grand Rapids and um so he's coming home and so we get to celebrate that and we get to be like their safe place during heartache and trauma and these things where 
know, things that they wouldn't tell their family or their close friends. We're kind of this neutral ground of, hey, we're not here to judge you. We're just here to be, you know, a kind of a listening ear and kind of maybe point you in different ways of resources that we might know of. Um, I kind of joked with the girls that I feel like we probably all should have had some type of training <laughs> in like, like counseling or, and I'm, I'm kind of not kidding. Cause I do feel like sometimes mm -hmm. I hope I'm telling them the right thing. And I don't think it's ever the wrong thing if you're just there for them and listening to them. So it just has kept evolving into different, different ways we can serve our community and just be this, safe place where everybody's welcome and everybody, I mean, and there's, there's tough stuff that comes along with that too. I mean, yeah. there's sometimes some people that come in that we, we may not feel comfortable with, or we may not naturally be drawn to. And mm -hmm. I feel like that kind of stretches us as people too. Like, okay, mm -hmm. this is not someone who has, is an easy person to have a conversation with. Mm -hmm. um, have nothing in common and you know kind of he kind of weirds me out or you know that but mm -hmm. that I think that grows us as people too so we're kind of put into those situations of like okay this isn't all fuzzy all the time and warm and happy sometimes it's it's sticky and and odd and weird but yeah. we have to work through that to know like that is life in general yeah. you know it's not all fuzzy it's sticky and odd and weird a lot of the time so that's for sure <laughs> yeah you know how, and, and I think if you're a person like this, that you're just kind of drawn to make these connections, it's often hard to put words to how you do that. Right. But you know how, like when you're hiring staff or training staff or interacting with your people on how you want to create this environment, do you have things that you say, like, like a mission statement or something like that, that kind of sews this ethic into your, I know. And I, I wish I, I should have a little bit more like standardized. I'm not very good at processes. I'm not, yeah, I'm the not business either. part is like not <laughs> my thing. Yeah. I just, I think for me, I really led by example of, yeah. you know, like I would always be working with them um, first in like the way I, or just cueing them to like, usually when someone walks in, and I'm like, yeah, anything planned for the day or anything exciting going on? And that is just a cue to like, okay, then they can open up and be like, mm -hmm. actually, you know, we have a funeral or whatever. Like, oh man, you just open up to that kind of thing. So just, it's always like, you know, you'll take their drink order or help them get something they want because some pe sometimes people are a little intimidated by coffee shops. And that is the last thing that I want. Mm -hmm. I've always said with this place, like I will serve you the best coffee. We take incredible care of it. But it is not supposed to be so fancy and intimidating that you have no idea what to get or you don't come because you're not sure. Like if anything, we'll guide you through it. If you want a coffee with 15 sugars and half a cup of cream, I will mm -hmm. serve you that with a smile. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's yours and it, I don't care. You know, I don't, I might not, might not be something for me, but I yeah. want everybody to come in and get something they want and, you know, get served another, like filled up in other ways. So mm -hmm. I just think, I'm always cueing them to kind of dig a little deeper, you know, like, okay, someone's going to come and sit here for a while. Don't be afraid to have a conversation with them. You know, never be intrusive to if they're sitting with someone else. But, um, so I think mostly it's just been teaching them how to reach out to each other. And I've never hired a staff that I didn't staff that I didn't think was going to be comfortable doing that. Yeah. I mean, I can teach anybody to make coffee, but I, you sometimes can't teach someone the connection part of it um, sure. to be for that to be 
you know, just to flow freely. Some people are just, that's them. And some people aren't. And we were just having this conversation at um, a family dinner yesterday about how some people are just naturally okay with being inconvenienced by serving others. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't. I think it's less and less people are mm-hmm. are okay with that. And same thing with family. Some some people, some sides of your family would inconvenience themselves freely to help you and others just, just wouldn't. And that's, you got to be a little bit okay with that. But at the coffee shop, we are okay with lots of little inconveniences to serve our customers. Um, mm-hmm. We don't yeah. always do things the the way to make more money or that are easier, but it's easier for our customers and it's what they want and need. So that's the way we're going to do things. And Yeah. Um, I think it's really yeah. cool that you recognize too that coffee in and of itself can be this kind of symbol of like elitism and it can be kind of, um, it's a very kind of city thing to do to go to the corner and get your fancy coffee. And if yeah. you wanted the 15 sugars, they would look at you like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're ruining the organic beans or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think sure. that's just, I love that that's part of you to recognize that like, no, it's accessible. That's not what we're trying to do here. Right. Trying to make a space. Um, yeah. He's part of that. And I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I, I, the other part that I love about our little space is, you know, when I was, when we opened this place, it's 500 square feet. So it's tiny. Mm-hmm. When we opened it, I was, I didn't want it to feel stark or cold or want it to be this homey space. And so I have this like vintage floral church pew and this like big green oversized vintage leather chair and I'm you know like buying stuff here and there and as I'm buying it I'm like this is either going to look like goodwill or it's all going to come together (laughs) and and it people come in they're like it's so cute in here it's so calming like it feels just so comfortable and I'm like man that's exactly a space that I wanted and I think you you know even though I was kind of buying buying stuff willy-nilly the 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 way I set things up, I just was really intentional about the feel in there and that people would feel comfortable in there. And I mean, it is close quarters. So people, you know, you might hear each other's conversations and I know that can be tough sometimes, but mm-hmm. I also see that fostering, you know, connections between customers. Sometimes they're just there because the bank doesn't open till nine. <laughs> so they're, you know, kind of just need a place to hang out or the pharmacy, they're waiting for a prescription, you know, all these little small town things. It really is that. Yes. Um, and then they end up, Oh, someone else is sitting and they start talking about, you know, maybe start with the weather and Oh, this and that. And I just see this, this happen. And it's so great to watch people just connect, just connect with each other. And mm-hmm. you, you can see it's usually like people perk up a little bit after they open up and just get talking with someone they wouldn't have had a conversation with. And mm-hmm. even people stopping from out of town. I love watching people like, Oh yeah, I know so-and-so from here and I used to live here. And Oh, what about that? And it's so fun. And it makes my heart so happy to watch that. And then I think it also kind of humbles me a little bit. Like I don't need to be that person. I don't mm-hmm. need to be. It's, it's like, it's not always about me. You know, it's not about me fostering these things. Like I just have to provide the space and, you know, provide a way sometimes doesn't always have to be me like digging for information to people. It can just be, Hey, we have this space and this is where we welcome people to come and connect. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think, I don't, I don't know if it was on this podcast. Did you talk about the turquoise table? 
Yes. In the podcast, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I so badly, I read the book or I listened to it on Audible. And I'm like, I feel like this coffee shop is one big turquoise table. <laughs> yeah. We're just hanging out there, waiting for people to come, and we're just going to serve them and connect with them in any way. Like, I kind of want to get a turquoise, like, bench out front or something. Yeah. Oh, that would be so there, cool. You know, yeah. like, just sit there with my coffee and whoever wants to stop by. Once in a while I do, if I have time. I'll take my laptop out onto the patio. Like we just have this little patio seating and just sit and, you know, just, I don't get any work done, which is fine. Right. Kind of not the point. It's just like sitting, being out there and whoever wants to stop in, they stop, just say hi a couple minutes and walk on by. And I yeah. love it. Like, yeah. I, I wish I could do more of that. And it shows people, I think the simplicity of connection, connect, Shun. We always make it, I think, you know, we like, you know, the larger we make it this complicated thing where you have to like mm -hmm. have systems and ways and certain things to say and whatever. And really you just have to put, sit on the bench. Like that's, I know. <laughs> that's it. Like putting yourself out there basically. Yeah. And, or even just like providing the space, yeah. you know, I think, and I get to do this so much just at work too, just not at the coffee shop, but just mm -hmm. Like people just crave this connection of like, look me in the eye and let me be heard, see. And so I always driving that home. That's, I guess, another thing like with staff, I just like look at people and like look at them, make sure they know that they're heard. Even if it's just their drink order, you know, like turn around, look them in the eye, smile. Like I feel like, especially with older people, yeah. there are like days and weeks where they don't even like, no one puts a hand on their shoulder you know yeah. no one looks them in the eye so I'm so intentional about that because I feel like those little gestures are so overlooked um especially to maybe someone like you or I who has a family and probably is sick of children touching them right <laughs> I don't need anybody They're else to days. touch me yes yeah <laughs> so I think yeah yeah that those little things are overlooked we do just try to complicate the crap out of things and it yeah. just doesn't doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be complicated. I love it. At all. I love hearing about, I've interviewed one person before you, it's a, it was a few episodes ago, that um, lives and works in a tiny little town. Um, and he was telling me about kind of what makes his town tick and what makes it special. Um, what do you love about McBain? What, what made you stay there after growing up there? Um, I don't think... Uh, I was never really drawn to the city. I um, went to Grand Valley and a couple other colleges lived in Grand, in Grand Rapids for mm -hmm. um, three years. And I loved like the accessibility to everything in Grand Rapids. It's awesome. There's so many fun mm -hmm. things to do. But I really am close with my family. And it just kind of drove me crazy to be far away from them and kind of goes back to talking about, you know, what, how would you be inconvenienced for your family? And I was raised by a single mom. Um, I mean, my dad's around, but I didn't see him as much. I lived with my mom and she was young. She was 17 when she had me. So I, I was raised a lot by my grandparents and I didn't want to, like, I, I didn't want to raise my kids without knowing them because I knew they'd be better for knowing them. Yeah. Um, and my grandparents are young yet and they're 73 and 75, I think. Um, and they're like, my grandpa still works when he wants to. My grandma will watch all six of my kids. Like she literally oh. is a saint. Like I don't, 
know what qualifies for that, but it's like the only joy she finds in life is watching her grandkids. Like, that is I amazing. love you. Yes. So I, it, like family for me was the huge, um, huge thing. We just wanted to be close. And yeah. so for me, I grew up where like my grandpa has uh, seven brothers and sisters. My mom has three, mm-hmm. um, a sister and two brothers. And I am related to everyone in this town. <laughs> like everyone in this town between my mom's side and my dad's side of the family. Um, so I love that little like small phone America, like where everybody knows who you are and there's always somebody there to help. Like everybody, it's this real sense of pride for your town and mm-hmm. everybody comes together when someone is in need and everybody is providing. And, um, I mean, there's really two good schools to choose from in town too. And so I think it's just that, that was where we wanted to raise a family and, and stay because family is just really important to us and just being a part of each other's life. We, that was, I guess the life we were kind of choosing for, you know, our family and I can't see us ever moving away, but you never know, you know, changes, but yeah. I love that. Yeah. I never saw myself one in a coffee shop either. Right? (laughs) You don't know what life's going to bring. Yeah. You're in connection, but you're also literally connected to everybody in the town. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yes. Um, Another thing that connected us when you reached out that I like my ear perked up when you mentioned um, was that you are a kidney donor. I am. And I have wanted to interview a kidney donor for so long because that is my day job is working with living kidney donors. I just can't believe that. Like I I can't believe that connection of us when I didn't know that at all. I swear. (laughs) Yes. And I can't interview any of the people that I work with because I work with them. Yeah. That's, you know, most of the people that donate around me are in town and those are the only people that I know that donate through our center. And I was like, yes, she donated. Great about that experience. Um, so you can say as much or as little as you want about it, but, um, I know that living donors are just an incredible group of people because I know through having the coolest job in the world, um, cause I get to work with them all the time. So yeah. I know that they are a different breed in all the good ways. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, tell me a little bit about how it came on your radar as in, like something that could be done and yeah, just a little bit about how it all transpired. Okay. So, um, I think our story is especially cool, um, because it's like this family legacy at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. so I have an aunt, my mom's sister, who is like a second mom to me because they were both single moms. So we grew up together. They both, I have a cousin four years younger than me and we just did everything. Like we were it. When I, um, she got strep throat when she was younger and then that strep virus attacked her kidneys. So she got streptococcal glomerular nephritis. Okay. <laughs> what it's called. Got it. So like in her, in her teens, um, she started having some kidney problems talking to my mom and her, like my grandparents tried all these alternative treatments. And, um, so in her early twenties, she was on dialysis. Um, and it was, she got on the transplant list. And my mom was a match. So my mom donated a kidney. I was nine. Okay. Um, and I I remember it. It was at U of M. I remember like riding the escalators with my little cousin, like thinking this was a fun deal. I had to stay with my grandparents for a couple of weeks. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of a 
but knowing that this was a cool thing. Like I remember thinking like, this is a big deal. Like this, whatever's happening is, is, is cool. Like my mom's doing something big. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, my aunt Shander's body rejected that kidney. So she had it for a couple of years, but ended up back on dialysis. I think not sure where the dialysis found, but either way, um, my grandpa was a match. Okay. So then my grandpa donated a kidney and, um, it was kind of just like this thing. I don't, you know, I was too young to know then, but I know now, like she never asked that of, of, you know, her family. Yeah. But everybody got tested. I mean, everybody, all her brothers and sisters, my grandparents, we had like, she had aunts and uncles and cousins who were getting tested. I mean, so many people just willing to put themselves out there for her. Um, yeah. even though she never asked, you know, she would never ask that of anybody. So, um, so she had my grandpa's kidney for 21 years. Wow. Yeah. Which is longer than like the average lifespan, which they say like 15 years. Cause people will ask a lot like, well, what's going wrong with that kidney? Like it's nothing's wrong. It just like, it's like a joint replacement. They don't last forever. You know, they're not, it's not yours. It yep. didn't come with your body. Mm -hmm. So, um, doesn't last forever. Um, and I tell people like that, like, I know, I'm not sure if that's actually like the right terminology, but I think like, I think that's about right. No, it's true. Um, uh, <laughs> I can vouch for you. So yeah. Uh, she started her creatinine levels were starting to go back up, which is kind of the, you know, test for how, how well your kidneys are working mm -hmm. or her kidney. Um, and she, again, never asked, but she would, she tells my mom most things and my mom kind of lets me know. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's, let's, uh, get tested so her and my um her daughter and I both got tested and we were both a match mm -hmm. um and I kid people that we like wrestled for like who was going to be the <laughs> you know the, the donor she had we actually had both just had babies we had I she had a, a year old and my little guy was 18 months and I knew she had wanted to have more kids and I guess that was like really the only thing we could think like who should do this they, yeah. she wanted to have more kids yet and I thought I was probably done having kids and so I went forward with all the um all the testing and kind of just like got it done like we were I wasn't we were also in the middle of opening this coffee shop that was oh my so, of course you I, were yes yeah I mean we bought the building in April we closed on the building in April. I donated the kidney the end of May and we opened the beginning of August. Oh, geez. so it was, it was like just dumb of me, but I am, I just pretended like it wasn't a big deal. And I think mm -hmm. that's just cause what our family has done. Like it's just, this, there's this normalcy to it now. Yeah. And you know, part of me probably should have took a little time and kind of let everything sink in but I was so happy to be able to do it. Like I was pumped. Like, this is such a cool thing. Like not everybody has this opportunity. Well, I mean, most people do, but wouldn't take this opportunity. Yep. Um, and I was just, I wanted to be able to do this for her because I knew she's the type of person who would do anything if she could. She doesn't have that opportunity, but she would. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we had it at U of M and it was, I mean, it's totally different than when my mom and grandpa had this surgery. They yeah, had this, yeah. you know, they have this 10 inch incision on their back and it was, I mean, incredibly painful yeah. and, and not that it wasn't painful for me, but I have like a two inch incision by yeah. my belly button and a couple like laparotomy holes, you know, just, yeah. just, 
it just wasn't a, as big of a deal. Like I remember my mom, this is probably one of the only things I remember, which it's funny that my grandpa ended up going through it a couple of years later. My grandpa's like a kind of rough and tough guy, like, you know, farmer. And yeah. my mom was being up out of bed and she just started crying and, oh, it just hurt so bad. And my grandpa said, well, it's not going to hurt to cry, or it's not going to help to cry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember it being like this incredibly painful thing for them. Yeah. And we actually worked it out. We had to get like special crazy approval for this, but Chandra and I got to stay in the same room at U of M. Oh, um, wow, yeah. Which, they did not want to do that because they're like, what if something happens to her? It's going to, and we just said like, it, it would be less, like I'm going to be concerned either way if she's in my room or not. And for us, it's our whole family. And if they don't have to split their time, you know, if they can all be together in one place, that is, I think more conducive to healing for us. So yeah. we were like the first ones, like it was some groundbreaking thing. Like they're in the same room. Like everybody who came in, like, I can't believe they let you be in the same room. <laughs> so um, so the, as far as the recovery, you know, it was painful for a couple of weeks. And then I was like, I got to paint a coffee shop. Like I probably yeah. got back to things a little quicker than I should have. Um, but yeah, in general, we just were together yesterday. So we talked about it a little bit. I was like, Hey, I'm going to be on this podcast. And yeah. you know, she's a living kidney, a social worker for living kidney donors. And she's like, that's so crazy. So we just, we talked about it a little bit and she did say like this, you know, each one gets a little harder for her. The recovery is a little bit harder. Um, and what, another cool thing that people are like, seriously, that they don't take out the kidneys. Yes. Like, so she yeah. has two of her own, two, so like four non-functioning kidneys yeah. and then the one that works. Like they just yeah. keep shoving them in there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that until maybe even a couple years into working at the transplant center. I was like, wait a minute, What? Yeah, and, they just like yeah. leave them in there. Got the whole family in there. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of our, our experience. And that, that was kind of how we got talking about, you know, how some family members can't minorly inconvenience themselves for someone else. And yeah. these are the links that we're willing to go to for a family member. And it's very hard for me to look at other people that won't sacrifice a little bit. And yeah. And I need to be more, you know, I guess more compassionate to everybody else's situation. But when, when I first said I was going to donate a kidney, I was almost embarrassed by the way people would react. Like yeah. you're just sent from God and the saint and Oh, what a blessing. And I believe that is, I am a blessing. So I, I, I get that, but it's just, just not this big thing. Like it's yeah. not, I have a hard time believing that other people wouldn't do the same if they had the opportunity, yeah. but maybe they wouldn't. And maybe like thought processes are different. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So that, that was, that was probably one of the hardest things was people's reaction when yeah. I was going to be a donor. Cause to me, like my mom, everybody in our family encouraged it and was like, yeah, you know, if you want to do this, this is, we're so thankful. And you know, we've been through this. We'll help where we, we'll, we'll take care of it. You know, everything would be taken care of. We'd yeah. take care of your family. We'd take care of, you know, and maybe that's where people came from too. I have six kids and you're putting, you know, you're risking yourself for someone else. And I just think there are risks. It's yeah. risky driving your car down the road. And yeah, I am willing to take the risk to save someone's life. Mm -hmm. 
when you say it like that, it's like, well, yeah, you know, of course yeah. you would. Um, when I was doing all the pre-op stuff, stuff we had to meet with um, a living kidney donor. Mm-hmm. And this was a guy who did our kind of just, he answered questions and just, it was a little more like real life. Okay, I did this. Mm-hmm. He was an altruistic, altruistic donor. Altruistic, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So to me, that blew my mind. Yeah. Like, he didn't know anybody. He never got to meet the person. He just thought, well, I have two of these and someone might need one. Yeah. Like, you know, where people would look at me that they, you know, this is such a big, big sacrifice. That to me is like, holy cow. you like, you didn't even know anybody. You just thought I should do this. You yeah. Know? And that, that to me is a little more, but maybe that's how people see what I did. You know, the way I look at him where he didn't have anybody to give it to. Well, and I think so. we often compare, well, we compare lots of things between people, but we'll compare like the, like you were talking about the degree to which someone is willing to go to give something to another person yeah. or help someone out. Yeah. We also compare pain, you know, how much, oh, my pain is less than yours because you've been through right. XYZ and I haven't done quite that much. And, you know, we compare all sorts of things when really, um, you know, what we kind of learn along the way is that what is what is a sacrifice for someone could look small to the next person, but it's monumental to that person. What's normal for you is like blows somebody else's mind. Um, But I love that in your family is, you know, I'm sure you don't sit around and like say, we're going to develop a culture where we just give away our (laughs) No, Like it just is this organic thing that through your mom who does blow my mind that she was like a young single mom and Mm -hmm. was just willing to give away her kidney. That, that did take me, that made me catch my breath a little bit. Um, not that everyone's gift wasn't important, but you know, like just putting yeah. myself in that, in those shoes that, that, that's, that's, yep. um, but it just, you know, one, one gift leads to the next leads to the next. And then pretty soon you have this whole giant family of givers and in all sorts of ways. And it feels really normal to everybody. And yep. I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah, I do too. I think, I, our family probably as a whole really downplays that. Yeah. You know, d- downplays the whole, it's kind of just, uh, cause I was trying to talk to them about it yesterday a little bit, like just mm-hmm. feeling them out. Like we really don't talk about this very much. It's, mm-hmm. and I don't think we're trying to, you know, put it out of our minds. Like it didn't happen. It mm-hmm. just didn't, doesn't feel like a big deal. Like yeah. it just, it's something we've all done. We kid, kind of kid that like, well, three of us down, we got one in reserve, you know, because right. like, her daughter is still a match. And yeah. like, obviously you hope that you don't need that, but just knowing that and how awesome is that? Like mm-hmm. just the, how blessed do we feel that there was four matches in one family? Yeah. I mean, there are people that sit and wait and wait and wait on this transplant list that don't have a, any matches in the family yeah. and don't, you know, just they die on the transplant list. So just having that blessing, I feel like it's just like, yeah, we're just riding this ride, man. This is yeah. great. You know, this yeah. is not that there have not been hardships and heartaches and, you know, tough stuff. I think, which it just makes my mom sound even more awesome is I never, ever heard her say once that she regretted it, even though mm-hmm. that Chandra, her body rejected it. She didn't even like the, what she set out to do. It wasn't even successful. Yep. And that to me would probably be the hardest. Yeah. Like I think if it did start feeling, Shander probably wouldn't tell me right away. You know, right. that's, there's gotta be a little bit of guilt on her. end, even though it's no fault 
of our own. But you know, there's all these different dynamics that can make it sticky and it just hasn't been, you know, like where I think my mom just never felt bad. She just was like, we, I did what I could do and we're, let's just move on to the next thing. Like what yeah. else, what, what else can be done? You know, how yeah. else do we make this better? So um, I think that's too, a lot of donors. Oh, sorry. Say that again. That just takes a big, big person to do that, you know, yeah. to not, not make it about them and yeah. still just, you know, like this is for them. This is for the recipient. So. Yeah. And that's how donors are. I mean, they're just, they, they will minimize the risks to themselves all day long because they're, that's how you're wired. And I, yeah. I love it. I think it's just fascinating and wonderful and people that often people that have been through a lot. So they, they already have gone through a lot of things. I'll have them come in um, as potential donors because they're like, you know, I've been through hack and back. Yeah. This is nothing. This is a right. that I don't need. And right. so this is, of course I can do this because they've kind of already walked that walk. And it, yeah. it sounds like that's a little bit of your family story too. Yeah. 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 And I just, I think when people were surprised that I would do it, I was already used to people being surprised that I had six kids Yeah, <laughs> and was yes. opening a coffee shop. Like they already thought I was crazy anyway. Right. Really? What's one more dimension to the craziness, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I, we have this one life to live and yeah. I'm like, man, let's just fill it up. Just like fill it up with awesome experiences and cool stuff that you got to do. And yes, risks along the way. And do I know if I'll own a coffee shop in two years? I don't know. Like maybe yeah. I'll be called to do something different. Like I always feel like we're just going to keep learning and experiencing and, you know, doing and, that's okay. Like that's different from what someone else's life looks like or what they want it to look like. And I've grown to just be okay with that. Just yeah. it's just different than what's in your comfort zone. And I'm kind of always constantly out of my comfort, you know, like pushing out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I'm comfortable out of my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. You said in your email that you were an outspoken weirdo and I was like, well then we are going to get along. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely outspoken weirdo, but I'm, I was just having this conversation with someone else or maybe it was online. I think about how when I was in high school, that would have been a disrespectful <laughs> outspoken weirdo. And now I think of it as I've grown up, I just think about my words a little bit more, especially what I'm trying to do with the coffee shop. You know, you can't just say whatever you think. You got to yeah. put some thought and some intention into what you're going to say and how you're going to come off as judgmental or you know you just yeah. I I think of as a teenager and even probably my early 20s if I thought something I would just say it and it really didn't matter if it yeah. hurt people's feelings and now I think like what a jerk you know just you know people's feelings matter and yeah. um, probably who gets the worst of it and this is probably not just me is the ones closest to you you, you still can be a jerk too For unfortunately sure. yes uh, so my husband probably gets the worst of it. My mom probably gets the worst of it because you can still be like sassy with them and they'll still love you. Right. Yes. We're all on a journey. It's fine. We're all still yep. learning. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, there's a few questions at the end that I typically ask everybody. So we're going to run through those. Okay. Um, so the first one is, and this might not be the order I asked you in. That's just the order I remember them in. So <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, what are, what's a type of space or a type of person that makes you feel the most seen and heard for who you are? 
I think for me, it's growing to be more and more spaces like this where yeah. I get to kind of tell my story mm -hmm. a little bit more because being in a small town, I'm around people who know me. Yeah. You know, they, they pretty much, everybody kind of knows me and my family and what we're about. But I think it's so great to be able to kind of retell your story, especially like the coffee shop and the kidney donation thing. There's such awesome things. Like mm -hmm. there's such life changing events and just really cool details of how God orchestrated everything. Mm -hmm. And every time I tell that I, I get like, man, I forgot how cool it was. You know, like mm -hmm. I forgot how big it was. I forgot how big those events were. So it's, so for me getting to be able to talk to people who may not know me and may not know my story and you know, how can I tell that that might make them make a leap to something outside of their comfort zone. I also feel like the most alive, just leading worship. Mm -hmm. um, I love to sing and I love contemporary worship. And for me leading worship, I feel like, and I get so much more out of it than probably the people I'm leading. So I, I love to sing and my kids love to sing. And so we end up leading. I lead worship a lot. My kids have started doing a little bit too. So mm -hmm. we do just different events with a group that I'm in. And so that's fun. Um, I love to be goofy and I've really started to love doing Instagram stories and like mm -hmm. just telling about my day and just being, getting to be like quirky and funny. Like that gives me a little life and gives me a little joy. Yes. Just being able to be weird. I'm, I'm all about just displaying that weirdness all over. I love it. I think I'll link to obviously the coffee shop and your Instagram account and Facebook yeah. and all that good stuff. But I, I love your stories. So you you are definitely bringing a smile to my face because um, now I'm following you. And, and it is just that like normalcy, like I'm waiting in my car for something and yeah. like this happened today. And I don't, I don't know why exactly that helps to see other people do that, but it does. Yeah. It so does. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, for me, I'm totally fine highlighting the really stupid stuff that I do on a daily basis. Because <laughs> I think, you know what? If that makes someone else feel better about themselves yeah. and just like, yeah, we are all struggling. Like we are all on the struggle bus with different things. Like I'm super happy that I have my nails painted and I have earrings on for like two days in a row. Yeah. I'm the fanciest gal around right now. That's, like that's, that's what mean. I feel like. Yes. I know. <laughs> if I have those two things done, I basically could go to like an adult prom right now. Like I... Yeah. <laughs> From. I love it. I'm, I'm wearing leggings, but it's fine. <laughs> That's fine. We can't, we can't do it all. It's fine. Yeah. yeah um, sure. So if someone, we've talked a little bit about this kind of, but if someone saw you from across the room or they just saw kind of a list of your like titles or roles, like business owner, mom, worship leader, you know, whatever, what might they miss? Kind of what's between the lines or what, what might they get wrong about you? I think so I get asked a lot, which I'm always like embarrassed when people are like, how do you do it all? It just, yeah. you are super woman and super mom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, barf. I am not <laughs> that at all. Like for one thing, I have this amazing husband who wants me to do all these things, like supports mm -hmm. me in doing all these things. He is like, yeah, babe, you're rocking it. Like you're doing awesome. But he's has a more flexible schedule than I do. So he's cooking dinner a lot and he's yeah. doing laundry, not my way, but he's doing laundry yeah. and he's, you know, cleaning up like shoving crap out of the way, which looks a little cleaner at our house. Yeah. That's good. I'm calling that a win. So it's all the stuff you see, you know, that I look like I can do only because he's helping me and 
he's allowing that. Not that I need permission. I don't mean that, but just yeah. he's making it so I, I can do that. Like he sees those are my strengths and that's not his strengths. Those are not his, no, that's not his wheelhouse. He has other really awesome strengths, but those, that's the stuff that I'm doing is not his. So just that I don't have it all together at all. Yeah. Um, and I am a little bit, I probably come off quite confident and, you know, kind of loud and funny and, but I'm pretty self-conscious about a lot of things and mm -hmm. I may, you know, kind of come off a little that way to overcompensate for inside. I'm like, Oh, geez, I got to make it on my face or like, this is not the size I want to be or, you know, like I have all those same thoughts too, yeah. but I just don't present that way. Yeah. And I am such a crier. Uh -huh. that, they may not see that. Like I sang with my daughter in church on Sunday and we'd been practicing and she's just, a, she's 12 and you know, I had helped her with a couple things, a couple notes. And when I got to where she sang the verse, I totally like bawled in church sure. up on stage, like a big fat mom, baby. <laughs> Good grief. I did feel better because there were other moms that were like, Oh my gosh, I was crying too. She did so great. You know, like, oh. So anyway, oh. I'm a crier. Yes. I'm a crier, so whatever. I'm just going to try to embrace it because it ain't stopping. Only right, anymore. it can't stop it. Once it starts, for sure. I know. I know. I know. I'm, I always tell when the kid, next year my kids graduate from graduate, you know, how everything's a graduation now, but from fifth grade and eighth grade, and they make a big to-do about both of those things, and I yeah. just tell both of them, like, I'm just going to be laid out right on the floor. Like, it just, yeah. mom's going to be done. And so yeah, last year my son turned 13 uh -huh. and I cried for a week. Like every time I thought about it, wherever I was, I cried. My husband like legit did not know what to do with me. He's like, uh, right. he's hugging me like, it's okay. I, what? He's going to be 13 all year, you know, to get you yep. used to it. Like, oh, I just, right. I had the hardest time. And now my daughter is going to be 13 this year and I'll probably do the same thing. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's uh, fine. But it's milestones uh, crying about him. The beauty that we're all doing that we just don't talk about it yeah yes <laughs> so um we have talked a lot about connection but are there any other ways that you feel like people could create if they're seeking more connection which i constantly hear people wanting yeah. ways to do this ways that you think of um that people can do that in their lives i think a huge part of it, which I'm not always great about this because I have so much to say and I'm kind of an interrupter mm -hmm. um, because I just want to get out whatever I have to say. And I need, they need to know this. Mm -hmm. um, just listening. I mean, yeah. I know that sounds so simple, but you, if you're not one who tends to do that naturally, it takes some work yeah. to, you know, like listen without intention of giving them advice, like just mm -hmm. listening to, to listen to them. Just like, and wanting to find ways that you can love them better or serve them better. Like listening with that intention versus mm -hmm. listening with, okay, how can I take this information and either use it for myself or fix their problem? You know, it doesn't yeah. always, you don't always need to be a fixer. Sometimes you're just the vessel where they can spew their stuff, you know, like they just yeah. need to get rid of it. And not that you have to take that on, but just let them be rid of it and let them get it out. And so listening. And then the other thing is just constantly pushing that just where it feels that distant dissonance of like, oh, I should reach out to this person. Like mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to act on it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to always just 
have the opportunity to be like, yes, every time I want to send a card, I should send a card, or every time I want to pick up the phone, or every time I get that feeling. But just acting on it occasionally mm -hmm. is just, we talked about just those little things being a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And one of the things at the coffee shop that I love watching is people picking up coffee for each other. Mm -hmm. And it, it happens all the time. Like they're picking it up for their hairdresser or they're having a coffee date with someone or they're picking up someone's kids. So I just wanted to get them coffee and just reinforces to me like this coffee is just this neutral ground that brings people together. It's something pe easy, like an easy way to show affection or show like I'm thinking about you, you know, yes. and a great part about our little coffee shop is it's this little town. So when someone comes in and says like, what should I get? So-and-so like, Oh, well, that, he's been getting this and this, or, yes. you know, they've been getting almond milk because, you know, so it's been hurting their stomach. You know, like we know all these things about people and it's so great with a look at us like, how do you know that? <laughs> like, yes. oh, we just, we pay attention. So yes. pay attention oh, and reach out. That, but yeah, that's so important. Oh, I love yeah. that. That just gives yeah. me like, I feel like I'm there, kind of that picture of the yeah. coffee shop. I yep. Yes. It's, and it's exactly like that. Well, my last question and, um, most my favorite question, I'll be totally honest, is favorite things. I just love hear what lights people love hearing what lights people up and what is kind of your jam lately. So yeah, I know I was thinking about this and like, man, I need some more time to have some more favorite things. <laughs> I feel like I got like the leftovers of whatever there is. Like great. Okay wow. Too. I am so lame. Um I do like at home, we do good coffee at home now. So like today, this afternoon, I'm like, I'm going to be sitting in my office and my office is one of my favorite spots. It's like this calming blue color and the sun beams in and I just can sit and drink my coffee. Mm -hmm. Not usually without a child needing me, but, um, so French press, like good coffee and French press, like French press feels really fancy to me, yes. even though it's not at all. Yeah. Like, like fancy coffee and my husband's kind of on, on board with that too. Um, I think time with friends that we just feel like family, like mm -hmm. that gives me life. Like randomly, because it's spring break for our kids um, this week, uh, we have a couple that we're best friends with. And like, we're just doing life with them. And mm -hmm. like, no, we can c complain about the same things that our kids are doing or like sharing each other's joys, you know, like someone, there are people. And last night, like, the kids don't have school tomorrow. Do you guys want to come over for a drink? And it was like, a Sunday night, a drink yeah. on a Sunday night, like those Ooh. unexpected little, like just hanging out with friends. And we stayed for a couple hours and talked about our week and like, you know, just what we were doing. And so yeah. like just those little moments of reconnecting with friends. And the other thing we've been having like six kids around here, we are like a crazy oil family. And so oh, yeah. oils, young living oils have been like saving our life. They're my favorite things. And my kids are probably going to just be an oil slick. <laughs> By the time they're like in high school, they're like, don't mind us. We smell like weird stuff all the time. Yeah, I know. So, we have the same thing. Oil, that is one thing I do love. Yeah, I love that. Oh. Love it, love it. So those are my favorites. I know, I wish I, in my head, I'm like, I should have like some crazy beauty cream that is just like working wonders. I'm like, oh, that's too much work for me. I don't no. know what <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever given me like a fancy beauty cream. It's all like this yeah. kind of stuff that's really okay. Good. I feel a little bit better. Yeah. I had a woman um, tell me that her favorite thing, one of her favorite things was roasting her own coffee beans. Or maybe you know about this in like a whirly pot in like a pot. I have never done it, but I have had a couple customers who have done it. And I'm like, wow, that's, I mean, 
Good for you. I know. I was like, well, that sounds labor intensive, but it just fascinates me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, those favorite things in my head, I was expecting it to be like these, you know, standout things, but Mm -hmm. you, that's life. Like you have to have little favorite things throughout just the mundane daily, weekly stuff. So it was good for me to think about like, what, what does like give me a little joy and a little life and yeah, those, those things for sure. Well, today I was definitely looking forward to this too. So that was giving me like, Oh, podcast fun. Like I could talk about myself forever. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could not be happier that we had this time to chat and um, get to know your story a little bit more. I think that you are just making a sacred space in your little corner of the world. And I think it's awesome. And, you know, connection like radiates from your every cell. And I, it's my favorite thing in the whole world. Thank you very much. This was so great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for doing this. Bye. Bye. A sunny day. Ah, oh, Danae is so awesome. I wish I was closer so I could go have some Cornerstone coffee right this very minute. I will definitely find a way to visit her in her shop this summer. I think the Danae's of the world are in some ways really rare, precious gems. Rare people that see other people and take the time to genuinely listen and care and love. But in some ways, I think the Danae's of the world are common and we we just don't always recognize their presence. They are the people in your life who show up consistently and bring the soup when you're sick and text you at just the right time. They are always there in their consistent and steady way. So, What Danae is teaching me, and I think what she should teach all of us, is that we should recognize them for the rare gems that they are, that are really all around us. So while we're taking the middle seat, let's see those people and listen to them. Now, go follow Danae and Cornerstone Coffee on all the socials. You'll be so happy you did. She, her Instagram stories are so funny and are just like the best little treat every single day. You'll just be thrilled that you followed her and hopefully you're taking a vacation to Northern Michigan or you have some reason to swing by her coffee shop. All right, I'll be back soon with another episode and until then, take that little seat. You are sure to find a gem right there.